Hey, Dee, I learned a lesson this week. What's that? Always double check. A good lesson. I look forward to finding out more about that to come. <laughs> Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on several acres out in the country. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Hello, Carol. Hello, Dee. How does your garden grow? It grows well. Guess what we had this weekend? I don't know. Shakespearean snow. What is Shakespearean snow? Much ado about nothing. They we're in sort of a snow drought. Yeah. And they acted like we're finally going to get one to three inches. And it was all melted by 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my new word for a snowstorm that everybody thinks it's going to be a big deal. And then it's like nothing. Yeah. It's Shakespearean. I like it. I like it. So did you do any gardening in the Shakespearean snow? You know, I did. I harvested some microgreens and I actually did sort through all of my seeds. And that's where I discovered, D, that I had bragged to you last week that I had sweet pea seeds. I was ready to go. Yeah. I didn't have any sweet pea seeds, not a single one. So I I went ahead and ordered some more because I looked at my different orders and things. I thought, where did I think I'd ordered sweet pea seeds? They are ordered from botanical interests and along with a cute watering can that I got because I'm growing this house plant collection behind me in the den here. Yes. I thought, oh, I need a cute watering can in this room. It's too much to carry the watering can from the sunroom all the way over here. You know what? I think that's actually smart because a few, like a few months ago, I bought another watering can too and put it in my bathroom where I have my other plants. So I have plants in my living room area. So I don't forget to water them. And then in my bathroom, but it is too far to go all the way from, I just never watered them. It was terrible. And you would think in the bathroom, you know, but I would just get a cup and give them a little cup of water. Well, now they get a real water right? once a week or every two weeks. I think I need another watering can for, cause I'm starting to add some plants to the bathroom because I bought two new plants yeah, at the local too. garden center. Um <laughs> And D, I got to write a wrong post about this. There were four young women, probably in their 20s, maybe early 30s, shopping for houseplants at the same time. And I'm like, I am usually here by myself. And the woman mm-hmm. said that was, I had to repot the plant because I bought the pot there and like, oh, you make the mess. <laughs> but anyway, she said, you wouldn't believe how many teenage girls are coming into my houseplants. Houseplants are still hot. I mean, really hot. And that's good because we're going to talk about them a little bit in here. Um, Did you do anything else? It looks like we've gone through most of your stuff. Well, I did want to say that the local greenhouse text, they sent a message to me via the Facebook, even though I don't get on there very often. But they potted up their violas on Friday in honor of me. That reminds me, I bought some violas and a viola seed. Good. And I need to get that sown too. I didn't add that to my garden commission, but I need to. So I remember to do it. Tell me about your garden. That's enough of mine. So I sowed onions, leeks, et cetera. And this is the funny part. I did it this morning before I got on here. 
because I wasn't about to come on here again and say I hadn't done it. So the onions and leeks are broadcast sown in trays, and then I'll prick them out and, you know, grow them on. Um, I also went in the greenhouse and did some work. I have a cold, which people can probably tell. Um, and my mom was sick all week last week, so I didn't have a lot of time to garden, even though we had some good weather. But I did go out in the greenhouse and I sprayed all the citrus trees with wettable sulfur. Yuck. Yuck. Gosh, it smells. Oh, it yuck. smells so bad. And I got it all over me and I had to shower. And then I, re- I fed them and I repotted one. And then I repotted several plants in the greenhouse that are now too large for their original pots, you know, when they were cuttings. And I'm talking about coleus, salvia. Um, and I'm also talking about African blue basil, which I finally got to work with cuttings. So I don't have to buy it and have it shipped in anymore. That's wonderful. Very good news. Very good news. That's all I got. I'm going to go ahead with our quote. In the springtime, seed is sown. In the summer, grass is mown. In the autumn, you may reap. Winter is the time to sleep. William Schweck, Schweck Gilbert. Schwink, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. When you put four consonants together, S-C-H-W, it could be. <laughs> it sounds Welsh because, you know, the Welsh people, they have all those consonants strung together and you're like, I have mm-hmm. no idea how to pronounce this. But it's just a nice quote for winter time. So you found out our flower topic. So why don't you talk about it first? Well, it's called temperennials. It's a made up word. It is mm-hmm. a made up word. Basically, they started showing up at the local greenhouse and they were foxgloves, which are actually biennials, but they sell mm-hmm. them as temperennials because they may or may not overwinter successfully, but they can get bloom out of them in the first year in a container. And so they're, they're super pretty kind of on the expensive side for, you know, if you're filling a container, but I bought them and mine have come back twice. So they're not as temperennial, but I looked up and Proven Winners has a whole document that we'll link to. This basically a temperennial is something that in a warmer climate probably would make it through the winter, but in my colder climate and maybe even in your climate is not going to make it. And that included a lot of perennials, lots and lots of succulents and a few mm-hmm. tropicals. So I have a question about these foxgloves that overwintered in your containers for several years. Well, no, no, no. I planted them out in the garden after the, in the fall. I didn't try to. Yeah, but are they the same ones? Because foxgloves are biennials. So don't you think they they are biennial? So I don't know. I mean, I just planted them out there and I got bloom again. So I'm not. Okay. So for our listeners that don't know what biennials are, because for years I didn't, they produce their leaves in the first year. Mm -hmm. And then in the second year they flower. And then usually they throw down seed and you start the process over again. Um, but you know what, they may have, they may have jacked with these, um, Fox gloves and they might be, I don't know what they did to them. It, it might be that they are perennial now, although temperennial, whatever that means. Yes. <laughs> uh, the most famous biennial that we grow is hollyhocks. Yes. That would be the most famous one. Although sometimes you can get some hollyhocks to go ahead and flower in the first year, but not all of them. And so sometimes you have to grow them on and then later, which I've done many times. Okay. So I joked around and I said that we should expand the definition for perennials that aren't summer hardy here and further South. 
And so, you know, think about that. That could be a lot of things, although you probably wouldn't notice them. I wouldn't like, notice those. And I think that that's probably something that if something won't over summer and we, of course, think of my beloved violas. Right. That's one uh, of them. You're probably going to plant it in the fall and the spring. So I don't know a good example of a perennial that wouldn't over summer. Oh, um, and now I'm not going to be able to think of them. Snapdragons? Snapdragons are annuals. Well, but here, well, I guess that's true. They are annuals. So never mind. We'll think of some. We'll think of some. We'll give it a try. Maybe our read, maybe our listeners can think of some. And then they also listed colocagias on here. Right. The- which are big elephant ears. And I take all of my, I use my elephant ears a lot in my pond. And then I take them out. I also use them in my uh, shade garden sometimes, but I really love them in the pond because I like the way they cast the you know shade on the water, which is yes. good for the fish to hide. And I take them into my greenhouse every winter. And then I try to keep mealybugs off of them all winter, which is just so much fun. Oh my fun. gosh. I don't, if I grow an elephant ear, it's because I see one at the greenhouse and I'm like, oh, I'll buy an elephant ear, but then it dies in the fall. And um, going back to Marion Wilburn's book about tropical plants and how to love them. To me, that I should go steady with them and take them inside and at least take the root in and give it a chance to overwinter. But I just let them go. Summer fling. <laughs> That's funny. Do you want me to do the next quote? Well, no, we got to talk about the biggest per- temperennial that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you kind of mentioned it. You're talking about succulents, right? Yeah, the succulents, they threw that in there. Oh my gosh. And it is succulents kind of drive me nuts because they they're, they're not easy to grow. No. They make it seem like they're easy to grow in all of those magazines and stuff. And it really irritates me because the truth is they're not easy to grow. I have several and they're successful, but it they take a lot of um neglectish. <laughs> well, and there are some succulents that will overwinter here. And I think Some. of the notorious hens and chickens, mm-hmm. but there are so yes. many that won't. And so people kind of go in the greenhouse and they see all of them. And I think they try to separate them and they're like, these aren't going to overwinter. These are going to overwinter. It's hard. You know, but the biggest one is the agaves and the men, manfrida mm-hmm. and, and mangaves. Yeah. The mangaves. People go nuts for them, but not around here. And I've noted that, you know, you walk into the greenhouse in the middle of June when she's got bigger containers of annuals for people that are true procrastinators. And then those those um, mangaves or mangavas or whatever they call them. It's mangave. You know why I know? Because you bought Because I got, no, because I got chewed out by another garden writer who will not be named because I pronounced it incorrectly about 10 years ago. And she's from the Western part of the U.S. So she knew the proper pronunciation and she was like, gosh, you're so dumb. But anyway, go ahead. But the Bengava, <laughs> as we say, is a hybrid or a cross between Men- Menfrida and Agave. Right. They're really pretty. They have spots and stuff. They're prickly and stuff. And I always feel like if you lean down too far, you'll poke your eye out. Well, the problem with Agaves and Mangaves that are stickery, not all of them are, but most of them is when you have to repot those things when they get big. Um, Because I've tried to grow them in the ground. And I know that some people in Southern Oklahoma do just fine with them. But where I live, they don't make it. So I actually do them in pots occasionally. I went through an agave stage 
And then I quit because I got tired of messing with them, but that's just me. And then I have a lot of other succulents too. One succulent that does overwinter here pretty reliably is the sedum aria. Yeah, that overwinters here, I think. I think it does. I don't, don't quote me people. It's very tough. You can grunt and gravel. And as long as it doesn't get too much rain, it'll overwinter here. The problem we have with all of this stuff that you grow on the ground is in the spring, when we get a bunch of rain, it kills yep. it. Or, or if you get a heavy snowfall in the, well, the cold here kills a lot of them. Kills it. The cold. So right. <laughs> on that cheerful note of, I'm not buying any of those. I will buy those Fox gloves because <laughs> they're so pretty. They are pretty. One year I did foxgloves all in the center of my semi shade uh-huh. garden. And I just bought them, you know, in containers of the store and plunked them down in there. That was the prettiest Englishy garden I had in a long time. But people kept coming. I was on tour and people kept coming by and going, you know, they were like, can you grow that? You know, that those kind of questions. I was like, this is just for decoration. Oh, D, we could, we could really go off on going on garden tours and you see stuff and you know, they planted it yesterday. <laughs> you know, they bought right. it in full bloom at the garden center. They planted it yesterday and it makes right. it look like, oh, look, look at the, you know, I think of uh foxglove or <laughs> delphiniums or something like that. It's like you bought those. In, yeah, I've done that too. I've done delphiniums. And, but I will say this, I buy them at the beginning of the season and let them settle in. I don't plant them the day before because, well, you can tell, but you know, that's the way it goes. All right. You ready for the next quote? I'm absolutely ready. May your walls know joy. May every room hold laughter and every window open to great possibility. Mary Ann Radmucker. I'm going to say it's Radmacher. I might be wrong, but I think it is. Okay. So that reminds me of those pictures that you keep sending me of the little rabbits laughing. They're, they're like cute little illustrations of rabbits that are dressed up laughing at each other. I say that it's us. Yeah. The, I, I like those. Uh, Susan cute. Wheeler is the artist on some of those. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't find much about her. I think she's pretty reclusive and doesn't really, you know, I don't know. I have a greeting card with that one picture of the two little mice sitting at a little table Uh drinking tea and the house is an upturned teacup. It's very cute, but I can't post anything because I'm sure it's copyrighted. It is very cute. So look, look up Susan Wheeler. Right. We can't post it on our Instagram, but um, we have said her name. Yeah, because her stuff is really, really sweet. It's like, and you said that she's probably reclusive and doesn't get out much. That's because she's busy drawing. People who do really aren't on social media. Okay, so veggies. We decided to do our favorite essential herbs. Okay, I'll do my list. These are the ones I grow. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I've hit all the essentials, but there's basil, mint, dill, and I get to include violas. (laughs) I just saw, I can't believe you put in violas, but that's okay. Well, I put in violas because the International Herb Society has declared that 2022 is the year of the viola. They have a lovely write-up and I will put a link. I will not read the whole thing. And they're actually putting together a book on violas, which I shall purchase. (laughs) Big surprise. Okay. So why mint? And we need to talk about mint because every young gardener gets a sprig of mint that is given to them by some old gardener. 
I would never then, do that. Without I would not either. All the warnings. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I like mint. I have a huge clay pot that the mint grows in. And there's um, mm-hmm. basic, I think it's probably just peppermint and then a chocolate mint that kind yeah. of grow in there. Now, the pot is clay and it stays outside under a tarp and it's gradually disintegrating. And so mm-hmm. I may have to buy another pot, which means, oh, an excuse to buy another big container and plunk the Yay. whole thing in there. Um, <laughs> but I just let it grow in that pot and then it doesn't, it, it would otherwise take over wherever it was growing. Yeah, don't put it in your garden because I have and I actually am still digging out Kentucky mint, which is a type of spearmint. And it's some variety that I guess was selected. And of course, it's called Kentucky because of mint juleps. Which reminds me that over where I grew up, where my sister still lives, when I was in Mm -hmm. high school, which is a long time ago, Dee, (laughs) I bought some spearmint at the Kmart because I worked in their garden center one summer. And Mm -hmm. uh, I took it home and I planted it. That's still growing over on by the fence. It's in shade and everything, but you're never getting rid of that spearmint that I planted in 1977. <laughs> I could go Here, get some and put in a pot, you know, I might. I yeah, might you go. could. I love spearmint. I might. I do. Okay. So then you listed dill. Dill is always in my vegetable garden. It self-sows. I never have. It's like I bought seeds for it and then. You know, I used to buy seeds in the spring and realize it just comes up as free. So I pull it out where I don't want it. And then I make sure I have some that are planted over by the cucumbers and let her rip. And then do you do you use it in anything or do you do it for the swallowtails? um, I I should say that I'm doing it for the swallowtails, but I'm doing it. Just say that. I'm doing it for the swallowtails. (laughs) I do use the deal like in dips and things like that. And uh, Mm -hmm. I just feel like. You, if you're going to grow cucumbers, it's always nice to have a standard dill next to it. There you go. I like that. And then we don't have to talk about violas anymore. Okay. So why basil? No, what? We, we really don't. <laughs> okay. So basil. We both have basil on our list. This is like oh the bridge gosh, between our two lists. Basil, easy to grow from seed. Lots of good varieties. You can get uh, in purple. I just ordered lemon basil seeds because I had to order sweet pea seeds and I wanted to fill up. I wanted to get a few more things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's holy basil. There's uh, I have that this year. Basic Italian basil. The mm-hmm. If you're going to grow it and you have problems with a real humid climate, get the mildew resistant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so well, and it also always goes to seed and flower here really fast. So that's why I really like Emerald Towers, Everleaf yes. or Everleaf and I, Emerald Towers, however it's pronounced. I have seeds. I have seeds left over from last year and I have new seeds that I bought this year. So I'm well seeded for that. Yeah. And they just make the cutest little mini shrubs. And there's a whole post about basils on my blog if people want to look it up. Um, it's really they're they're wonderful. And I love holy basil. Holy basil is one of the most beautiful plants. And it's not beautiful, like from a distance, it's beautiful up close and it's late in the season when it's gone to flower and it just looks ethereal in the sunlight. I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of a purpley green and then the flowers are purple. And then um, Thai basil is good if you like to cook Thai food. Um, 
There's another. Oh, I do. I do have some of the red basils. I really like the one that makes the smaller leaves rather than the. I mean, I love red ruffles, but red ruffles goes to seed too fast in my garden. Yes. So we've talked about basil. Yes. And now the rest of your list. Okay. Mine are rosemary. And I love rosemary because it overwinters here a lot of years. Sometimes it dies out if it is in a very well-drained place. And I grow mine in my potager, which, by the way, they redid my um, potager is the best of Oklahoma gardening this weekend. Very so nice. A lot of people have signed up for my blog and stuff. Cool. Um, I also like parsley. And I like the fact that parsley overwinters until it, you know, it, it goes into bloom it bolts in as soon as there's heat. So I always have to add more of it, but I just really like it. I think it's pretty in the garden in winter and I like to eat it. And I personally like the curled variety. I know that other people think flat leaf is the chef favorite, but um, I can't taste it. So I like the curled variety and then thyme. I like creeping thyme and don't grow woolly thyme in Oklahoma. It'll just die out on you, but Creeping thyme and lemon thyme are delicious. That's a good list. I was going to say in Indiana, the rosemary is not going to overwinter. So forget about it. Yeah, it only some of the varieties only overwinter to zone seven and some of them overwinter to zone six B. But boy, it's iffy and it all depends on how much rain you get and stuff like that. And and so people are going to ask, why didn't I put in lavender since I bordered my whole potager in lavender? Yes, Dee, why didn't you put in lavender? I love lavender. I think it's really hard for a lot of people to grow. That's why I didn't put it in there. I thought, and I also don't use it a lot for culinary stuff. I don't either. And we were talking about culinary. I just like the way it smells and I like to watch the honeybees on it. I'll be real. I have two of the best lavenders out there that I bought from somebody. Carol Lee Snyder is her name. And she had a herb farm up near Muncie, Indiana, but she's since closed it down. But she did trials with all kinds of lavenders and figured out the best ones to grow in this area. And so I bought a couple from her. The names are forever gone, but they are some of the best lavenders ever. Well, everybody knows that I love phenomenal lavender. I think it's one of the best. I think Delta Blues is good, too, if you want a small lavender. But um, there was a group that wrote me over the weekend and wanted me to just come and talk about lavender. And I was like for an hour and I thought, I can't, I can't talk about lavender for an hour. Oh, my dream is for somebody to ask me to speak about violas for an hour. Yet to take me, no one has taken me up on that offer. No garden club. And I'm like, do it for free. (laughs) Yeah, you probably would. Um, Okay. So we should, we're just going to do a little teaser for later about oregano. Okay. What's the teaser? That's it. We're going to talk about oregano later. Okay. Okay. Do the quote. The first fall of snow is not only an event, it is a magical event. You go to bed in one kind of world and wake up in another quite different. And if this is not enchantment, then where it is, where is it to be found? J.B. Priestley. I love his quotes. Still waiting for that magical day when I wake up and have more than a sugar coating of snow. We had some this morning. It's all gone. We had so much snow last year and we haven't had, a. I mean, we had tiny, tiny, not even a sugar coating, just tiny snow. And there's predicting tiny snow for Wednesday, but I'm like, yeah, whatever. So our bookshelf book is The Chef's Garden by a man named Farmer Lee Jones, and that's his real name. Yes. And so um, 
Yeah. So I want, I kept, I kept bringing up this book whenever we would talk about on the bookshelf and you kept saying, D, I don't know. Why do you want this book? Why do you want this book? And then you had a brainstorm I did. about this I book. A good one. And I'm really glad you did because I did not want to plunk down $50 and not see this book first. We went to our libraries and got the copies from the libraries to look at. And mine is right over here. And if I go pick it up and try to move it over here, there's just going to be all kinds of noise. Because it is a big, big book. Mine's in the living room. It's huge. And I've read it. I read it because most of it's recipes. So it's not hard to read. But the book is almost, even if you didn't want the recipes, I think it's almost worth it for his story at the front. Yes. That story about how they came to be the most famous garden for chefs, not so much for gardeners, but for chefs throughout the United States is really something. And I always thought that like when I read all of the brag, what's called the brag page, that's where everybody writes about your book and tells how wonderful it is. There were all these chefs from California. Yeah. I thought, Oh, farmer Lee Jones is in California. He's not. He's in Ohio. On Lake Erie, right? Isn't he on Lake Erie? Up in the Lake Erie area. Yeah. Somewhere up in that area. And because because he is in that area, he gets those great winds off the lake and also he's bottom land. I mean, it's some of the best, most fertile land ever because lakes flood and that's how come river bottom is good um, and lake and lake bottom lake areas. So fascinating. I thought how they went from once again, it's that story about they were farmers and then they went into the whole we're going to grow the big five crops and we get more machinery, more stuff, more stuff, more yeah. And then how does that almost always go unless you're a conglomerate? It doesn't go well in the long run. No. Ultimately, you know, they lost their farm. But the reason people buy this book is not only for that story, which you and I, I think, found the most fascinating. But they buy it for the recipes because he had, if you like vegetables, he has some really unusual recipes. Yes. Yeah. Kind of. A little on the, I don't want to say they're complicated for Carol, but they take a fair amount of study and interpretation because he's dealing with a lot of unusual vegetables and different things. And it's like, okay, I have to study this. I don't quite get this. Well, and he, uh, you asked me, you texted me over the weekend and you said, I bet you want to buy this book. And I said, I don't know yet because um, the recipes are not only complicated because they're for chefs and restaurants, which is a whole different thing than here. And I'm a pretty good cook and pretty adventurous, but a lot of the vegetables that are used are things that only chefs would ask for, which is the point of the whole book is that they, that's how they saved what was left of their farm as they started to grow things that chefs wanted. So I have 17 days left on my loan. So I'm going to keep reading it and taking notes and stuff. I'm not rushing it back. I mean, this thing is like what I'm looking at it real quick. It's a tome. It's about an inch and a half thick. I mean, and you, you're not going to sit up in bed and read this. You got to plunk this baby down on a table. Yeah, this is definitely a coffee table book. And literally, I was sitting on the couch, peering over it on the coffee table, had it all spread out and was just like absorbing it because it is that good. And every recipe has a beautiful photograph of the recipe. And just the beauty of the photography, it goes back to that restaurant that made the little tiny amazing tasting menu. Carol's now got the book in her hands. I I think it's worth owning. Yeah. Danger, danger. 
Yeah, this book <laughs> is is 60 bucks. It's very uh, You can get it for 49, but still, it's pretty high. But it is high because it took a lot of pages. And they're yeah. and and they're glossy, which very few publishers are willing to do glossy anymore yes. either. So our so, advice to our listeners is go to your local library and check this book out, The Chef's Garden. Mm-hmm. If if you love it, then you should treat yourself and definitely buy it. Yeah. And in the meantime, use your library because this is a great thing for libraries. We use ours all the time on our loans, you know, digital loans. But this was a great example where I just reserved it online and you did too at the same time. And mine was here in a day and I ran over and picked it up and they were so nice. So thank God for libraries. Amen. So that's The Chef's Garden by Farmer Lee Jones. On to the quote, D. May I walk every day unceasing on the banks of my water. May my soul rest on the branches of the trees which I have planted. May I refresh myself in the shadow of my sycamore. And that's from an Egyptian tomb. And we actually got it out of that one book that we read last year that was about the psychology of gardening. And we loved it. And I can't think of the name of the book right now, but it, but it's famous and it's been used a lot. The Well Garden Mind. The Well Garden Mind, which we still love. And I never did finish it. I'm like in the very end of it. I, I finished it. I will read it again because I, I joined an online garden book club and they uh-huh. chose that as one of the books. So I'll read through it again. Oh, I want to be part of that book club. We'll talk about that later. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Plant Lounge in Dallas, Texas. This was cool. This This is very cool. CBS News Saturday morning had a segment about this wonderful plant lounge in Dallas, Texas. And it was so refreshing to see all the young people coming in and this guy helping them plant up all kinds of succulents and terrariums. And this is a really good story. I love it. And I'm trying to find his name real quick because I want to say his name is... Oh, now it's gone away. He's just this beautiful African-American man. He's very young. And he decided that he he already, and I can't think of his name, and I should have written it down. I'm so sorry. But guys, click the link. It's worth it. He is just the, the sweetest guy. And he uh, he had a whole company that took plants to various places. And he made up these amazing terrariums for uh, companies and put them in display. And they're pieces of art. And now he teaches other people how to make these terrariums, make other gardens. And it's a lounge where people can come in and have a cocktail or a non-alcoholic drink, and they just have the best time together. So it was a way to be communal and um, see each other and also keep his business alive during the pandemic, because that was hard on lots and lots of businesses. So that's our dirt is the plant lounge in Dallas, Texas. I just thought it was so cool. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when I went to buy my house plants, and it was Friday afternoon, like at 2 3 o'clock, when, you know, youngins should have been at work and they were in there <laughs> buying plants. And I thought, I was thinking about this story. It's like if they just made a little bit of room and they added a couple of tables and chairs and, you know, they make a little, make it, yeah. People would hang out for a long time and have classes and, um, and his are, I mean, these are really cool terrariums. It's worth going going to our notes and looking at them. It's not your average stuff. It's it's awesome. And then there was another, I was thinking about what you said about those young, oh, I'm not going to say that, about the millennials that were looking at plants. So when I was over at 
our local box store with the big L. Um, they had some really cool new plants from Costa Farms and another company, Urban Jungle, I think. And um, I bought two of them, but I didn't want to carry them because I didn't expect to buy plants. So I didn't have a basket. So I set them down to do a basket. And these this couple was there together that were millennial age. And both their heads whipped around because these are really cool plants. One's a begonia and one's another. Uh, oh, it's a, oh, what's that one that we just did the other day? Has the wavy leaves and I could, I'm having a heck of a time. Peperomia? It's, yes, it was a peperomia and it's got red and black leaves. So it's a special so variety. So oh my gosh. So pretty. I sent you pictures and I also posted them on my story. I'm so going to write go. a blog post about my new house plants and seeing those young people there. And it kind of takes me right into my rabbit hole. I want to hear about it. So I did finally get these precious days by Ann Patchett and it was published back in November and for some reason at the library, you can reserve books on order, the hard copy. And I did that. And mm-hmm. I actually reserved both the small print and the large print thinking, you know, I could get the large print because there was nobody on that list. Right. Well, I didn't get it. And then somebody recommended that I should read it. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's on my list. So I got the Kindle version and they gave me one of those seven day line, seven day loans where you skip the line, which yeah. is wonderful. This yeah. is a wonderful book, and that's my rabbit hole. Ann Patchett is such a wonderful writer, and she, she owns, is. She owns the bookstore in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Parnassus mm-hmm. Books. And then I go down the rabbit hole and into YouTube. And I'm looking at interviews, and she talks about how they had to do the pivot on the bookstore when the uh, everything got shut down. And but what's funny about it is she talked about how. She took up knitting and doesn't claim to be very good at it. But if she had a drop stitch or whatever, she just handed it to some old person who would know what to do. And I felt (laughs) like I felt a little bit in the plant store, like I'm like the old lady that's been knitting for years and is suddenly very delighted to see young people are knitting. I'm like the old Mm -hmm. lady. I've been growing houseplants. I had houseplants older than the people in the store buying them. And it's like, it's yeah. so fun to see that people are buying them. So anyway, I recommend These Precious Days by Ann Patchett. It is not a novel. It is essays. And they're beautiful. Oh, I love essays. The, you know, oh, I love those kind the, of books. You must get this book and you must read it this week so we can discuss. Okay, sounds good. So my rabbit hole was, do you know that Mexican oregano is in a different genus than regular oregano, which is Mediterranean oregano. I did not know that. I am not up on my (laughs) oreganos. Clearly, clearly I am not. Clearly I am not either. I discovered this in a book I read called Tacos, Recipes and Provocations, a cookbook, which is a very opinionated cookbook. And I love opinionated cookbooks, just like I love. You talked about it last week too. Oh my gosh. I love this cookbook and I've, I've really enjoyed it. And so, um, so Mexican oregano which you can buy from Rancho Gordo, but I'm going to go this afternoon and see if I can't buy it from my local place. Um, It's called Lipia graviolens. And so that's a different genus than common oregano, which is Oregonum vulgare, which is, you know, means common oregano, right? But that sent me down a rabbit hole because there's a, a post that was written on the Botan- Brooklyn Botanic Garden 
which is about by Scott D. I'm a, I hope this is right. Appel. And he wrote Mexican oregano, a tasty twist on an age old flavor, because I like Mexican oregano way better than I like common oregano. And also common oregano can be almost it's extremely aggressive in my garden. I grew it one time. And when I had to dig that sucker out, it was awful. But See, what I did, huh? I have just done a quick look up. The reason your regular oregano is so aggressive is it is in the mint family. Well, that explains it. And guess what? Your Mexican oregano is in the Verbenaceae family. It's a verbena. Oh, it's a verbena. There you go. Now it's getting really interesting. It is really interesting. And then he talked in this article about how there's all these other oreganos. And some of them are in the oregonum family, right? Oregonum, not family, oregonum genus. And then there are other ones that are in a different one. So there's Cuban oregano, which is called oregano in Spanish, and it's also Spanish thyme. And it's neither oregano or thyme. It's actually a plectranthus. Oh my gosh, I'm sure that's in another plant family. I'm sure it is. And then Mexican oregano, as we said, is in a totally different family. So, wow, that's interesting. And so um, I, anyway, it turns out I'm looking at his notes right here. It says that oregano, oregonum and plectranthus both belong to the mint family. Right. Laminaceae. So there you go. And then, so anyway, the point of all of this is I love Mexican oregano now that I've had it dried and I thought, I wonder if I can plant it. Well, how nice. He also gave us places where you can find seeds. So you can find seeds from a company called Grimes Seeds. And he says there's it's super easy to cultivate and it is hardy to zones 10 and 11. And he said, you might want to bring it in in a pot and put it in your greenhouse or in your house. So just sit me down a huge, huge rabbit hole. Yeah. And so are you getting some seeds for Mexican oregano? I am sure going to try because okay. I really want to grow it because can you imagine how good it tastes fresh? I, I suppose I've never, I've never knowingly had it. So I don't know. And it blooms off and on all the time. Well, it has a little bit different flavor than regular oregano and it's Which not does. so oily. You know how essential oily, yeah. that's how oregano tastes to me. So anyway, I like Mexican oregano. So what are your garden commissions? So my garden commission for this week is obviously I need to um, gather containers for winter sowing because I I don't want to miss the window on this. And then I need to make a list of all the seeds that I have. I've got them all sorted into categories. And um, like I said, I did a post on post on what I learned from sorting all my seeds. And that's like, I must be a gardener who wants to grow all kinds of beets for some reason. Don't yeah, you you love to grow beets. I don't no, know. I don't know why, because I'm not a big beet eater. That's funny. Well, beets really are good roasted, and they make a good soup. So just think about that. Okay, so I'm going to plant those seeds that I said earlier when I listened to this podcast. I'll remember what they were. <laughs> I'm also going to plant my beet seeds in containers and plant my sweet peas in my cold frames, which originally I said that I was going to plant my onions and my leeks in my cold frames. And I might still with the sweet peas because the cold frames are pretty big, but we'll just see. We'll just isn't, give it. I don't isn't know. it early for beet seeds? Oh, but I was going to plant them in containers, Inside? like winter sow them. Oh, no, winter sow. just winter sow them okay. and then perk them out. That, that was my plan. Sense. That makes sense. 
All right. I think we're done, Dee. We are. Thank you for listening to The Garden Angelus. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. Also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, we know it's hard, but if you could leave us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate it. It helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your gardening friends? Word of mouth is the best way to get the word out there. Yes, and be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And if you want to help support us, use the affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we are in a small commission and it costs you nothing. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate today. Bye until next week. Bye, everybody.